Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. to Flame On. I'm Brian. I'm here with Oral. Hi. And Jared. Hi. And we are doing a very, very quick, very, very brief microsode all about the wide world of Mad Max. We are all uh, now, we've all seen uh, Fury Road, mm-hmm. now we said Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen in the past Road Warrior and Thunder Beyond Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw the original Mad Max. Um, but it's been a while, admittedly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, this is basically an entire episode just about uh, Fury Road. If you want to see the movie, but you don't want spoilers, obviously, you know, come back when you've seen it. Let's pause um, this. Yeah, pause this. Keep it paused for the hours and hours that it will take to go to the theater and see this. It's only two hours long. It's not that bad. No, I meant just the whole time, you know, from like you leave the house, you got to get tickets, you got to buy popcorn, you got to do the thing. Anyway. Okay, okay. But, be that as it may, um, there's not a lot you really can spoil about this movie because the thing about Mad Max is they're all very individual sort of tales of a certain world. Uh, the world being the world after the world. Basically, we've had oil shortages, possibly some kind of nuclear apocalypse. Post-apocalyptic Post-apocalyptic. Society. Very, very common in a lot of fiction. Not just these days, but the last you know 100 years probably or so, or a little less. Um Basically, since we we realized we could actually have a post-apocalyptic world. Um, but what sets this series apart is the sheer joy in the world that they're in, even though it's bleak. Obviously, it's post-apocalyptic. Gas in water and anything you need to survive is at a premium. Guzzling. A guzzling, yes. yes. That's, that's, yes. I love that. Um, but but the, the joy comes from the love of, I think, the automobile and the crazy insane everyday items that can suddenly become weapons and uh, things that become weaponized and and the sheer joy of filmmaking at least in certain of the movies including Fury Road where the the chase 
becomes a huge, huge part of the plot, mm-hmm. uh, almost eclipsing whatever plot's there. Well, what's what's great about Mad Max is that there's this great sense of community with whatever sort of tribe you uh, ascribe yourself to. Mm-hmm. And really it boils everyone down to their most basic elements where we are tool makers as a species and our primary function is to locate water. And uh, what was that one line that uh, Immortan Joe talked about? Don't uh, become addicted to water. Oh, <laughs> like okay. Uh, so let, let's let's uh, let's talk about Immortan Joe because he's an interesting character. In every of these movies, there has been these warlords. Um, sometimes nameless, but a lot of times they'll have like what was uh, do you guys remember Tina Turner's? She was Auntie Entity. Yes. Auntie Entity. And uh, in Road Warrior it was Lord Humongous. Lord Humongous. Yeah. So in that same vein, and then the the first one was Toe Cutter. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you guys remember yeah. this. Uh, Immortan Joe is this warlord who maintains this thing called the Citadel. Uh, and the Citadel is this, like, a butte, I guess, technically. Uh, geographically, it's one of those large thing, mm-hmm. rock formations that just jut out of the uh, desert. Yeah. Um, and he has managed to sort of build upon a, an existing, well, and I'm, I'm delving into some of the backstory that you get actually from a comic book uh, that they released uh, from Vertigo. But um, I think it's Vertigo. Yep, Vertigo. Um, but basically, it's a paradise. It's an oasis of sorts. But it's an oasis really for Morton Joe uh, because he has imprisoned women who he wants to get, you know, the purest, uh, most pristine conditions for so that they will produce a viable male heir. Uh, He is at this point in the movie pretty much towards the end of his life and he is being sustained with technology such that they have. And he has offspring that help him run things, but one is a hulking brute that seems a little slow. The other one is a sort of deformed, I don't know what condition he has, but uh, sort of a midget but can't move much. And We don't want to use those terms. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know what he's, the actual technical term for the condition he's is. He's a deformed human being. There we go. And he, But he's the brains and seems to sort of run mm-hmm. things, you know. It's a lot like... Uh, Master Blaster and, and Kang. Uh, Who and runs Kang. by the town? Oh. Master Blaster. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. I was I was mixing in my Ninja Turtles with uh, with uh, Fury Road or with uh, Mad Max. So, but and same then, principle though. Same principle. So the idea here though is that Immortan Joe wants this this this, this offspring, and so he has these wives, and he's impregnating them, and then they're just not. It's not working out because the world is pretty much fucked. Well, into this whole scene, you have Mad Max, uh, mad in case you didn't know, because his family. Uh, very viciously was taken from him through this world and events, and he has this sense of profound loss, but yet he knows he needs to survive. So Mad Max, he's not like, you know, evil or crazy. He's just a little haunted, to say the least. And then this movie, I think, did a good job of depicting that hauntedness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Tom Hardy, amazing choice for Mad so Max. Dreamy. I dreamy. Yeah, he really is a <laughs> nice Even in, man. like, the, the irradiated sands of wherever we are, so dreamy. Yeah. I mean, Mel Gibson, of course, was Mad Max for the previous movies. And let's face and he it. he did go mad. He went a little crazy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think everybody realized he couldn't. I mean, not just for the fact he's also older now. But um, they interviewed George Miller, who actually is the same director from all the previous movies. Some people were like, oh, it's a, it's a Mad Max reboot. Oh, no, I don't want the, I don't want to see that. It's like, no, no, just as George Miller. This is the guy who did the other ones. Uh, and he really wanted to make this movie 23rd. No, actually about. 
was it 15 years ago mm-hmm. is when they started production on this and various world events intervened uh, studios were kind of fickle about supporting the effort uh, but it is the biggest budget Mad Max film and it definitely shows in the execution but the uh, so you got Joe or you got Mad Max who's taken captive by the people of Morton Joe's Citadel mm-hmm. you've got the wives who uh, we find out about uh, pretty much as things start to unfurl and there's another character of course and pretty much the other major character uh, Imperio, I'm going to say it wrong. Uh, Furiosa, yes, Imperator, Imperator Furiosa, which is a title of some regard, I guess. Furiosa is a it played by Charlize Theron, uh, looking very, uh, I would say, Pet Boys Butch. Yeah, yeah, Pet Boys Butch with the grease on her forehead, uh, sort of war paint looking. So she is a driver slash. Kind of mini mini warlord, let's say. I don't. I don't even know what's a lieutenant. Are. A lieutenant. Sorts, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she has the trust of a Morton Joe to command uh, some of his rigs, and so one of the things uh, this this little citadel needs is gasoline or gasoline or whatever, and so they have to send these trucks off to, to trade. And and there's they, actually it's it's um, Gas Town, Gas Town, and it's the Bullet Farm. Yeah, yeah. So so Gas Town is the like the uh, the refinery. That provides the gasoline, and then Bullet Town is ostensibly like the uh, they make bullets. They Ammunition, reclaim. Ammunition Ammunition silo, yeah. exactly. So this is sort of the network that's that it pre-exists this world, and Max ends up being. Oh, I guess there is one more major character, uh, the War Boys, yes. which at first glance uh, <laughs> are these creepy, weird-looking albino kids that I guess some people find attractive. Huh? They were oh, very, they were very handsome. Yeah, no, they're 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 all very shirtless, especially Nux. Nux, yeah, Nux. Yeah, yeah, Nux is the main war boy who you get to sort of live sort of vicariously through. And really, I will put a shout out here. Uh, a friend of ours, I don't know if you guys know him, Nick uh, Nicholas. Uh, if you ever hang around the Bear Den or some of the places around here, if you see a guy who looks like a war boy, that's Nick. Okay. He just he could easily cosplay with just a. Few, I'll show you a picture. Um, but uh Please do. Yeah, you'd like him. Um but he uh Nux is an interesting character because he has basically a very odd arc. It's kind of a redemption arc. I mean I guess it really is a redemption mm-hmm. arc, but he starts out as just another one of the war boys who's very excited about going out on the the road warrior. It quest. is a lovely day. Oh my god, that that <laughs> I, we'll get to that. <laughs> So, but his his condition right now, I guess, because water is so scarce, because you get injured, because it's just people are in a messed up state. They need blood transfusions, and Max, as it turns out, is the universal donor, which makes him very convenient and handy to keep around. So, in fact, he then becomes the blood bag for Nux, and Nux is so determined to go out on this uh, this road warrior sort of mission. We'll get to. Uh, he takes Max with him as a blood bag, like like you do, and keeps him hooked up to him and the whole nine. And of course, this is the thing where it's a little ridiculous. They they mount Max as the blood bag on the front of Nux's car, as like a uh, the woman at the front of the ship, the masthead, I yeah. guess. Like odd choice because you're like maybe you want to keep him a little closer to you. Maybe you want to protect him in some way. Um. 
But if, it's like that that prisoner thing, if, right? If I may intervene, please. I, I think we should kind of stray away from just giving like a play by play of like what happened in the movie and sort of just talk about the higher concepts. That's fine, but okay. I want to I want to lay the foundation because some people may not even ever care to see this film. Okay. So I want to okay. set the stage. Those people are stupid. Well, and we'll get to that, but I want to set the stage. So one more thing, and then we will. But okay. uh, so Furiosa, the reason everybody's gone on this big mission is determined, as a good heroine should be, to save the day and specifically to save the, the wives. Mm-hmm. And so if, even though it turns out after a routine, it looks like they're just going to drive off to get their gas, actually she has taken uh, a, a little convoy mm-hmm. and she has secreted away the wives. And so the, the big plot of the movie, after you have all this setup, is Joe wants his wives back. And hijinks unfold, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the stage. Now, what makes a movie like this and all the Mad Max movies fun and, and interesting? Well, A, there's nothing else like it. I, I, I really would defy... I mean, there's movies with a post-apocalyptic world. There's movies that have car chases. But there's no movies that take the car chases to that next level of hyper-violent, uh, hyper It's a level of frenzy. Yeah, and, and manic, like the directorial style, which I don't remember the previous movies well enough. Mm-hmm. Did they have that same kind of hyper-kinetic directorial... Because I could see it maybe evolving um, eventually. In uh, in Road Warrior, there were okay. scenes like that. Because, yeah, Thunderdome, from what I remember, it was a lot of hanging around yeah. in wherever Thunderdome was. Uh, what's the place called? Battletown or whatever? Bartertown. Bartertown, thank you. That was below. Um, you know, the Tina Turner's wandering around mm-hmm. singing and stuff. But um, <laughs> the... Uh, Fury Road definitely gets back to that Road Warrior mentality. So yeah. they're driving, they're driving, they're driving. They're chasing... The giant armada of vehicles led by Immorta Joe and then with Nux in there. They're chasing after uh, Furiosa. And they have, um, let's see, let, let's go through the crazy things on these cars. We got, uh, like, the, t- the typical, like, you know, spikes on wheels. and. Well, there was there was one particular tribe that actually had nothing but spikes on them, but they weren't a part yeah. of Immorta Joe's, uh, I guess, uh, alliance. They were just like a rogue yeah. tribe of mm-hmm. road wars. Uh, and then there's also the bike uh, mountain people. Yeah, the mountain. Um, but in a Morton Joe's, the War Boys, they're driving, but they're also running all around on mm-hmm. the rigs. You know, they're they're servicing the vehicles as they need to, which is kind of an mm-hmm. interesting thing that you would try to fix uh, your vehicle while you're driving. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense to me. Like in this world where everything's falling apart, you they kept pushing it in the movie that. We're stripped down to our basis instinct, which is survival. Right. And the only way you can survive is if you know how to do everything. Like yes. you're, you're relying on your community to keep you afloat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite, which is sort of weird, and I, I don't, I guess it, I, see, I don't know cars well enough to really speak to this. But no. the, uh, yeah, I know. Listen, we can't all rebuild our transmissions ourselves. I didn't rebuild my <laughs> transmission. I paid a cute man to do it for me. <laughs> At least he was cute. Um, the breathing or the, the the spitting gasoline into the intake, I guess that's a thing. Like, is that like kind of like nitrous? It gives you a little boost to... I don't know. Really? That's what you took away from? That random scene where just like, I wonder if this is feasible or not. Like, well, I feel like I've seen it in other movies. And so I was like, is this really like a little a little thing where you give the engine a little well, extra? 
We don't know. We'll just admit that. Okay. We don't know. Maybe somebody who's listening to this might be able say, to chime in and say, hey, yeah. this is actually scientifically possible. Please, please, let's, let's it's not just the magic this. of the movies. You wonder if Mythbusters has already done that. That would be fascinating. They need to do. Mythbusters Submit it to, to Mythbusters. Do. I will. They need to do. Submit a Mad Max Oh, only. my God. That'd be amazing. Okay. So, um, what, uh, so Spike's um, polls. This is the thing that killed me. So, if you're a fan of like real effects in movies, not CG, practical effects. Practical yeah. effects. Thank you. Know this better term. This movie is all about that. Mm-hmm. They filmed this whole fucking thing out in the deserts of uh, Australia. Uh, they're all, George uh, is also Australian, um, and the previous movies were far thicker with that Australian accent. This one had a, a mix of accents, but um, and then they actually had like these Lanuba, not Lanuba, um, Cirque du Soleil like people. On I would poles. say it's like a, a more like a metronome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly. Were, it. But the people up on they them, were they're doing weighted the, by engine blocks. Weighted by engine blocks, and yeah. that to me was the height of ridiculousness, and in a pleasant way. Like it's so over the top that you're laughing at the the the, the largesse or the just okay. you know. Right. But but you know, hey, for a, a means of attacks, if you're mm-hmm. trying to drive alongside another vehicle and attack them, mm-hmm. well, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Now another scene, and I kind of wish they did more with this. This is probably one of the things I would criticize. The um, but again, it's a CG thing. The storm that they drive mm-hmm, into, mm-hmm. it seems very like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing to see this the storm, and they're going to go through this crazy radioactive tornadoes and whatever. And really, it was a quick scene, mm-hmm. and then by the end, they just have to dig each other out or whatever. But I mean, like, I almost kind of wanted to see like shit flying around. Well, <laughs> shit did fly. It around. did, but it, it, it was it, it, it kept it a little more, and I and not pun intended, grounded. <laughs> Like that, they didn't have more. No, I really didn't. Tell. Your issues with this movie are so trite and bizarre. <laughs> I liked it. I loved the movie. Just you know, you know what I didn't like. You know what I thought was weird. This this small little like, how did he create? A vault to keep them in. Like, where did he get that vault door? Like, nobody's asking this question. Sometimes, I really, I, and that usually annoys me when people think about that stuff. I did suspend my disbelief for most of the thing. I and I loved it. I really did. The soundtrack, uh, Junkie XL, who I've seen in other mm-hmm. things uh, on his, on the soundtrack stuff, but I don't know who. Uh, awesome, great soundtrack. Very drum heavy, and mm-hmm. there's a very good reason for that. Oh yes, yes, there there was that one vehicle which I would hope you would touch on where <laughs> it's course. it's it's the war drums and the uh oh, the guitar player. The guitar player yeah. So so and and this is something I saw some people were like thinking was just ridiculous and in fact when tribes or battle or you know, mm-hmm. armies would go to war mm-hmm. prior to the last maybe 150 200 years they would absolutely have musicians. I mean, think for just stupid, if you're, you know, you're American, the Revolutionary War, you had the drum and fife corps. Okay. Mm-hmm. That wasn't just symbolic. That was part of your army. Mm-hmm. So go back even further and you had people beating on shit and it's, it's a, it's a smack talk. It's a, I am beating my chest. I am announcing yes, our it's, presence. It's I've got Google Boy of Company B stuck in my head. <laughs> oh, well, go figure. We were talking about the Andrews sisters earlier. Yes. Um, but the guitar player. This also blew my mind because the guy is playing this ridiculous guitar, okay? Mm-hmm. And he is up behind a bunch of giant speakers on the truck. I think it was the same truck that had the guys beating the drums yeah. on the back, with like the Tyco yeah, drums. Yeah. The freaking guitar is spouting flames while he's playing his heavy metal riffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most like complete statement of male testosterone in that. 
that area, yes. that that world. I, I could sum up this this whole you know Immortan Joe world where it's just it's hyper masculinity. It's this energetic death cult. Um, yeah, which left unchecked just runs rampant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's effective. Um, but that's what warlords. Warlords are effective soldiers who made a bid for power and kept it. Right. Um, and it's it's funny to see. Um, you know this. You know we know that this world exists in a bigger capacity, and these aren't the only survivors. Like there are different mm-hmm. tribes around, mm-hmm. but when you set up a sort of triumvirate of a power where you know, like I need you to do this, and you do this for me, it's kind of like when you look at Pokemon, and you know, like water beats <laughs> uh, fire, fire beats grass, but grass beats water. Yes. And so like you have this sort of like power dynamic and in this like this section of this world that we we see which is ostensibly dead that abuses still run amok. Mm-hmm. Like and that's what I, I really found like to be the most interesting is just like yes, the world has ended, but it's not the end of the story and there will always be survivors. If we're lucky enough, but even then, like, there's no room for compassion. There's no sense of of kindness because kindness gets you killed. Right. You know, you can sit on your laurels and say, like, I don't want to fight anymore. No. But what happened to that person? Being they a, die. You die. Yeah. Conscientious objector is not something you can be in this. Uh, it's about survival. World. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Now, I, I love that you mentioned the the male element because certainly. What is lovely about this film, and, and I, I think for many people surprising, given mm-hmm. what they know of the movies, the strong female presence, not mm-hmm. just in Furiosa, who obviously is a, basically the hero of the mm-hmm. movie. I mean, in many ways, it is not Max's story. Yeah. It's her story. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually, kind of, she goes through sort of a hero's journey, mm-hmm. almost more than Max, slightly. But then they have the wives, and the wives, you think, well, they're the damsels in distress. Well, actually, they may be in distress, they may mm-hmm. be damsels, but they're they not helpless. come yes. into their own. They certainly are not helpless. Mm-hmm. By the end of the movie, several of them have either sacrificed themselves or played pivotal roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the tribe... Uh, the Vuvalani, or Vuvalani, or whatever. Vuvalani, which... That's yeah. It sounds like Volvo. I know. mean, you know, yeah. let's that's that's very that's what it is. And this is the tribe, it's like that, Silent Mobius, Labia. Yes. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> so this is the tribe that Furiosa came from, and actually to the was green place, the green place. Yeah, the, the the mythical place they need to get to, and the, the 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 what would that be? That would be the MacGuffin, really, almost. You know, yeah, the, the yeah. thing that drives them along, and you know, but um. But no, that the, they then play a huge role in the way the movie climaxes and ends uh, in reestablishing society. I mean, basically, again, we're spoiling this movie. You know, Furiosa and the Vuvalani, Vuva, whatever, Vuvalani, whatever, they, along with the wives, really end up taking over the Citadel. Well, you kind of need to dial it back where they go to the Green Place. Well, right. The Green Place isn't there anymore. No. It's run foul. So and that was that was probably the coolest shot in the entire movie, uh-huh. where they go to the green place where it was, and uh-huh. it's all the the creepy stilt walkers yes, walking around. Yes, oh yeah, great. yeah, and the marsh. Yeah, yeah, that was oh, yeah. nightmare fuel. <laughs> but um, but no, the 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 movie has been many, many, many people online have been saying it's a great female empowerment movie, mm-hmm. and you know, I I totally understand why that there's that perspective now. 
you know, I just look at it as a great film. And yeah, women have a strong role to play, and mm-hmm. they should. But I guess I, to me, it doesn't stand out as much. I, I guess there, I don't. I guess in the Mad Max world, certainly this is the movie, other than maybe Thunderdome, well, where there's like a strong female it's character. A, it's a contrast of how women are treated in, in Morton Joe's world, where mm-hmm. they're treated as livestock. And then when you go outside of the Citadel world, these are women who survived on their own without the reliance on men. Right. I guess in that way, it is very much holding up sort of the typical male whatever on mm-hmm. its pet, you know, lampooning. Well, I think we as gay men, oh God, I'm, I'm going to take it it's to okay. like a really nerdy. It's okay. It's okay. okay so, this is a safe place. So I think we as gay men have a very different perspective. Um, and, you know, taking aside, you know, are gay men, you know, some of the most chauvinistic people? I'm like, well, we're men. Like, sometimes it happens. But I think we know what it's like to look at masculinity and see not necessarily something embracing and empowering as something um, warped and twisted. And so you have this, like, hyper sense of if you aren't, you know, driving a fast car or, you know, raping women or, you know, striking down the masses, you're nothing. You're weak. You're trash. And so, like, if you look at all of the men in the Citadel, you know, for the most part, even though some of them are mutants and they're dying and they're corrupted, like we all are, like the people down in the wastelands are just emaciated and they're weak and the weak never survive. When you look at the people, the other sort of like tribes from the bullet farm and all that sort of stuff, like even though they're all connected, um, even the people in the valley, um, in the canyons, like they're they're hyper masculine men. They're riding motorcycles. And you see this kind of like, you see this dynamic of what it's like not to be that and how devalued you are. Because the only reason... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why the, the wives have value is that they can possibly give like healthy sons. Other than that, mm-hmm. he really doesn't care. Yeah, because yeah. Joe didn't want his wives back. He wanted his child back yeah well yeah once he realized that yeah did he know she was pregnant before they left uh, yeah okay i can't remember how that worked out mm-hmm. but uh no i i i do understand that it is very empowering and that the women in this movie certainly are portrayed in a way that i i think is it's the way it should be in any movie mm-hmm. 
But what I kind of torn about is the women are portrayed very masculinely. They're portrayed like really let's, strong let's, male. Let's and not. in this world, it makes sense because it's that, it's like you said, survive or, or perish. Well, let's let's take let's take off the wrapper of gender norms and just kind of talk about their traits. Okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I I see them as masculine. I see them as fully formed people. Self reliant. Yeah. Well, self reliance fine. What I'm talking about is, and specifically the the vuvuzela, the the vulva people, like they the vulva people, the Valkyries. They really. <laughs> Well, I mean, they're kind of, they really are very violent and very, like you said, they'll do what they need to do to survive. They're not violent. They will do what they need to do, but they're not going to take pleasure from doing it. Okay. I I totally, totally agree with you there. So then what I think of then as just violence is not for the sake of itself, Mm -hmm. which would be more of a male thing Mm -hmm. for the female, you know, in this particular case it's to survive yeah okay so when threatened they will be vicious Mm -hmm. but otherwise like you said they're they're more nurturing and that's that is borne out with the woman who's got the seeds yes and that was really cool because i love that her whole point you know this is like she's Mm -hmm. probably in her you know 60s 70s 80s she's been around long enough to see the whole world from like civilization to now and she's a badass sniper too she's a badass sniper <laughs> and she's got a thing of little seeds that she's ready to replant yes. and wants any any chance she can she mm. is like Johnny Appleseed she's yeah. out there planting seeds which is awesome um, I guess I just felt like the violence angle was what I took away as masculine uh-huh. but I, I like what your point is I, for the sake of it you know it's not for the sake of itself it's, yeah. yeah I think that you may be confusing masculinity for power and that's that's what a lot of these women represent like they're they're just powerful women and then mm-hmm. sometimes you know like for example look at Hillary Clinton Hillary Clinton is a powerful woman but her detractors and even like her her supporters would consider her somewhat masculine not because you know she's out there chopping wood is that power has always been categorized as something like masculine something male and like even like when women do have a sense of power you call them feminine wiles which is just like sort of like the art of seduction and you know using these like secondary traits to get what you want people see that as a negative sometimes yeah but i don't i don't i don't see them i don't see them as masculine i just see them as power i guess what i think of it is okay and this is this may be ridiculous i don't know Okay, I believe if a woman is a strong leader, mm-hmm. like Hillary Clinton, let's say, mm-hmm. I believe a woman will be slower to use force and s- more wise in a sense that she wants to keep all parties yes. in balance. Yes. And I see the Mad Max world putting that completely in its own mm-hmm. thing where mm-hmm. the the female tribe, like, they have to be brutal yes. in that world, but... Otherwise, they will be more nurturing. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was just the viciousness that I perceived when mm-hmm. they attacked the people who were attacking them. I mean, they weren't going out to try to kill these people. Yeah. They were trying to just make it back to the Citadel. Yeah. Uh, that, that's that's where I took that sort of like, oh, they were very masculine. But I totally understand in the world that they're in. They have mm-hmm. to. Well, I so. think um, I think like even like a higher level uh, for this discussion is that I think as gay men, we don't see... Uh, gender norms as a very solidified thing so like because we see a lot of uh, masculine and feminine qualities in ourselves right. and mm-hmm. so it's 
it's more difficult for us to kind of embrace these two very polar, oh, okay. uh, polarizing um, elements. Yeah, I, I sure. I in, in some ways it also gives us. I well, I hope it gives us a little more insight into that. But mm-hmm. but you're right. It's hard to reconcile the two. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I will say overall as a movie like if you just want a fun action film this movie does that yeah it really does it's pretty awesome yeah. which is why you know I, I actually was surprised some people um, who I thought kind of enjoyed action films didn't didn't like it as much mm-hmm. and then there are other people like well Pat is one certainly who I didn't really tell him much about the movie he saw the trailers and so I think he knew mm-hmm. a little bit going in but. Like, leaving the movie, he was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> because it felt very much like, and it was, you're dropped in the middle, mm-hmm. and then you leave before the ending. Which, according to some writers, is exactly the right way to do it. Yeah. Well, you know, get in late and leave early. You know, it's mm-hmm. Bendis' thing or whatever. But, yeah. like, that is the world of this movie. And I think if you have seen the other films, it just, they complement each other in sort of filling in these tales from the wasteland. Mm-hmm. Well, I, the, the way I... I see it, and one of the reasons why I like Mad Max so much is that it's not important how it happened. It's important that it's happened, and this is how you survive. And you don't always need, like, a sweet little ending at the end of it, because that doesn't exist in this world. And and I love that, you know, we are left to fill in the gaps. Um, Like, you know, it's funny, the way they introduce the film giving you like the kind of like the tv and radio broadcast and then like juxtaposing that with pacific rim pacific rim did the same thing pacific rim explained a lot um but you know it didn't like mad max doesn't have to right just know that you know we fucked up world's fucked up um, now, speaking of the gaps, so one of the things we alluded to and mentioned is they actually are doing these comics from from Vertigo, and it's written by George Miller. Like he had so much time on this project to kind of develop and develop and develop, and not shoot until fairly recently that he actually wrote a whole thing that was supposed to be made into an anime. So he has a whole script about wow. um, I, I don't know if it's about a Morton Joe or if it's about it's it's related to the Fury Road movie, mm-hmm. so it's not just another tale, but it. Um, uh, so, so some of the things that he's, that's come out of that material is these are these comics. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm holding my hand here, and the only thing I will say, I mean, the art's great. It's got two tales. This first is only there's there's four coming out, and there's uh, two stories in this first issue. Uh, one is about the character Nux and his family, <laughs> who's Beast from X Men First Class. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. you can see it in his face. Yeah, now that you mention that, that's just I wow without the hair. Um, but the second story is about a Morton Joe, and I will say of the two, that was to me the weaker one mm-hmm. because it really does explain too much. Mm-hmm. You get to see exactly who a Morton Joe is, uh, his rise from the military. Uh, sort of actually before the apocalypse and into the apocalypse as a proto warlord and some of his very uh, you know at first for survival purposes he mm-hmm. did t- terrible things uh, but I think Jared you put it best before we were recording kind of like a, a Colonel Kurtz yeah. who started to believe his own legend more than really anyone should and and then that's what led to his, his thing. That was something I also kind of enjoyed about the film is like this this whole like Viking uh, theology going on. Oh you gosh! Know. <laughs> no. it, it, yeah. So basically, you know, he is a warlord. He 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 leads by his strength, but he also leads by this kind of quasi religious 
you know, if my war boys, well, you will be with me in Valhalla. Yeah, they're they're, he's, yeah, they're yeah. child soldiers. Right. He's a, he's a priest king. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So he, he, you know, uses that to, to incentivize them. And, and, and that's part of Nux's journey is realizing this guy is not what I thought he was, you know. Ride so. into Valhalla all shiny and chrome. Yeah, that chrome <laughs> thing, I didn't get it first. So, so when the characters either are about to go off and do something the, crazy. The war boys. The war boys, yeah. you're right. Um, and, and I thought at first like this was like a stimulant or something, but yeah. basically they take chrome spray paint and they spray their mouths so they're all shiny. Witness. Witness. Like, I was like, wait, is that something like, is it like, you give me like amping them up? Is it like methamphetamines? Like, what, what is this? And then, you know, it's basically just chrome paint. Uh, well, they're huffing too. Like, they're hu- oh, that's, that's a yes, good yeah. point. So yeah, that was kind of a nice, like, odd, crazy thing. Well, what, what other things did you guys, uh, really like about it? Well, I, I thought it was gorgeous. Yes. Um, I really liked the pacing. I was never bored. Nope. Um, as for, you know, Extended universe stuff that that's what comics is for. Right. Like anybody who complains, not saying that you were complaining, but no, like no. I'm telling people more as a cautionary thing. If you like the level of lack, like if you like just being dropped in, you don't, you know, you like the mystery. Mm-hmm. I would not recommend at least this issue, yeah, because um, it just gives away more than maybe you should. I think it was it took all the elements that we've always loved from the Mad Max films, like the chase scenes, and you know, they gave you kind of like a Thunderdome ask. Like grounded place, like Barter Town is the Citadel, and like you're you're moving in mm-hmm. and out and seeing, like how other people fare in this world where there's almost nothing left. Uh, I will say this: if you haven't watched the trailer for the PS4 game that's coming, Mad Max looks fucking amazing. I think I had seen that online. Um, what is it like? A what kind of game is it though? It's it's an open world like really? sandbox. No pun intended. Oh, good. Where? Uh, yeah, like open world games. Yeah, Much where you like, you know, everything's been taken from you. They take your car, uh-huh. and so you have to rebuild a new car. Oh, wow. You're searching for scrap. You're <laughs> helping other like conclaves of people to try to like better their lives, but ultimately help you get back what you want. Yeah, I was um, I was talking to a friend of mine about uh, there was an MMO that was released uh, maybe like four or five years ago called Fallen Earth. Uh-huh. And same post-apocalyptic world premise, and the execution was just not very yep. satisfactory. So I'm, I'm hoping that this is it, this is a good supplement. T- uh, take a look at it because it did. looks really good. Uh, do you know what studio it was? I do not remember off okay. the top of my head, okay. but it's also totally told me that I can. I am. I'm okay in buying a PS4 because I'm not I, just buying it from. I know. I was about now. to say this might be the reason to. Uh, now, what would be amazing if Bethesda were to get some license that they did Fallout? Mm. Fallout is Mad Max. Well, I know. No, this, but think about the most amazing like Fallout but Mad Max version, and then an MMO too. Mm-hmm. Like that could mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. ridiculous. Um, so uh, there's also if you were really into like cinema, cinematography and color and all oh, that, yeah. there is a black and white version of this movie, and they have released a trailer of it. And it's because the movie was very color processed, oh, lots of color color uh, that corrections. Look amazing. Well, and that's what it really. And so I don't remember if the Blu-ray is they're planning to have a black and white version on there mm-hmm. as well. But it was just stunning to see the yeah. uh, the photography in some of the scenes, especially with the black and white. Yeah, uh, as just, as you're looking at the color palette throughout the entire movie, you see. Like just earth tones are oh, yeah. bombarded on you, and very rarely will you see anything like a cool color, like maybe green mm-hmm. or blue. 
which you only see in either the Citadel or even inside of uh, Immortan Joe's eyes. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, what? Uh, so we liked uh, Charlize, of course, was amazing. Yes. Yeah, she was, uh, she was fantastic. Hardy, amazing looking. Really doesn't say a lot in the movie, which is kind of cool too again it's uh, Miller has said this is like his westerns like mm-hmm. he very much sees Mad Max as a cowboy an itinerant sort of cowboy you know comes in and out and does what he needs to do yeah. and, and all that He's but the, um, the wanderer the, the wanderer yeah I mean it, it could be like a samurai or whatever too yeah. you know but he uh, he does have a, a pretty big role in the movie to help the other characters mm-hmm. but he's not doing it as I don't well at first he's not altruistic about it in fact it was pretty brutal the first scene where he mm-hmm. interacts with the wives and and Furiosa and it took a good like 10-15 minutes of the movie to unroll before you really think hey they actually trust each other mm-hmm. to a to a, a to working well to an extent but to a working relationship yeah. You know, when basically he goes up, I think, to fix the engine or to mm-hmm. do whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the moment when you realize they're they're putting trust in each other. They're not going to screw each other. Well, there's something else too. Like uh, with let's let's talk about Nux because nah. you you see him as this you know impressionable young man who oh. is uh, he's got stars in his eyes and he really wants to go out and prove himself to uh, to his his idol his yep. his god. And when he fails, not once, not twice, but three times, and um, he kind of like reverts into this sort of vulnerable state where he feels like he's not worthy, but through the wives and through uh, Furiosa, he finds another means of being able to prove himself. What did she call it? Um, There's a term. Oh, wow. The English major mind in me is... Just falling apart. It's not predetermination. It's um, she's like this seems like something manifest. Yeah, manifest destiny. Thank yeah. you. Manifest yeah. destiny. Okay. It's like you know you need to go out and and take care of yourself. Right. Like you know figure out what you want to live for. And I think that's ultimately why other people in Mad Max will always have a better ending than Max himself because when he has nothing left to live for. All he wants to do is survive, but surviving isn't living. You know, like, at the end of the movie, when they've completely changed the status quo, and, you know, he could pretty much ostensibly live there the rest of his life. Yeah. And be fine. Right. And to have, like, some sort of... Of, of a taste of what he used to have. Not that he's in love with Furiosa, which I'm really glad. Yeah, I was worried they they were going to do that, too. They didn't do, but, like... He just he leaves yeah. because it's like that's it's it's not there. Like right. he doesn't have that driving force, but survival. Right. Yeah, it was nice to have uh, when you guys mentioned that specific element where that didn't happen. But there was there were hints of it between Nux and the uh, the red haired bride. I forget what. Her oh name was. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was satisfied. That's that. true. Mm. I mean, there hints of it. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, God, yeah, I think that we've covered pretty much everything. Uh, there's a lot, a lot to see again. I actually want to see it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother Jeff, of course, who would have been here except drunk for, bitch. Yeah, a little, little too much drink. Uh, he uh, he seen it now twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. We we both have bought the soundtrack, and uh, my favorite track, if you do get the soundtrack, is "Brother in Arms." Mm-hmm. It has a lot of the drums in it, but mm-hmm. it also has a good like uh, violin sort of. Uh, okay. Ostinato thing going. That's no, really if you cool. want to burn me a CD, that'd be appreciated. You know, I, I, that was something I else. I, that was something else I liked about the film is that they would kind of 
weave um, like car noises into non car things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some uh, synthetic work in there too, which is it's not ob- obnoxious. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the last film, God, the Thunderdome was back in what the late '80s, yeah. mid to late '80s. Like, mid '80s. Certainly, things have come a long way mm-hmm. in many parts of technology, but music specifically, this is certainly a more uh, modern soundtrack. But but it does have some synthetic elements, mm-hmm. and I think you're right. There's some car and mechanical noises yeah. in there. Um, yeah, no, I mean, just it's a good film to see over and over, and just you'll get you'll pick up new detail that you missed. There's so much more depth to an action movie. I know, well, and that's <clears throat> that. See, this is what I think the Japanese have done very well, and certain directors um, they know how to really make to elevate an action film. John mm. Woo, let's say from back mm. in the day, like they take art, they make art out of action. And I think that's why a lot of people really liked this movie. Some people actually said they liked it more than Avengers. Mm-hmm. And in a certain way, I I'm, totally understand that. I am that person. And you know, I love Avengers. Yeah, no, no, no. And I do too. But Scarlet I, Witch was fantastic. I would watch <laughs> this movie, Fury Road, over and over again in the background or actively more than I – haven't, I haven't watched the first Avengers since the theater. Like I just like I know the story. I'm mm-hmm. fine with it. Mm-hmm. As an experience, I just don't need it very often. But yeah. something like Mad Max – Fury Road, I just feel like would be, God, you know, I really yeah. want to watch that movie again just to, to relive that experience, you yeah. know? I sat there blown away because, you know, I went in thinking, I'm going to see Mad Max. Of course I'm going to see Mad Max. But I had no expectation mm-hmm. whatsoever. Yeah. And at the end of it, like, my friend looked over to me. He's like, or, like, did you like it? I'm just like, I, I thought that was the best movie of the year. Like, action-wise, um, Tight storytelling wise, I found that to be my favorite movie of the year. So, hearken that to when we do the list of things that we liked in 2015. We're top 10. We'll have to remember that. Um, if you want to go back and see what we did in the previous years, you know, all of our stuff is now on Stitcher. Do you guys use Stitcher at all? What? I know it's a, uh, for the phone, other, other legitimate podcast app, a podcast app. Yeah. So okay. yay, we're yeah, no. now, and we're of course on SoundCloud, which I still think is actually a lot more of a fun platform for anything audio, not just podcast. So we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher. If you just look for Flame on, you'll find us. Of course, we're on iTunes. I want to put a challenge out there. We need people to write reviews. I love hearing people that like our show, and we definitely know because the Nerdy Show has said we've been actually doing really well in terms of our our listenership. But I want to hear from people who go, yeah, I like your show and here's why. Or, alternatively, you're so wrong about such and such. How could you say that, you idiot? I'm fine with that, too. Speak for yourself. Because I, I will cuss you out. Either way, I know you're listening, and I, I just I like I like hearing that. Now we like constructive criticism too. Oh, well, constructive, of course. But you know, if we're wrong about something, if I'm a big idiot, which a lot of times I feel like sometimes I am, you know, it, it happens. We're, we're the, human. The we're looks human. that I get across this uh, little we're table human. sometimes make me think that <laughs> that is the case. But um, that was just directed at me, folks. Just so you know, <laughs> pretty much. But um, Pat gives it to me too sometimes. But um, but please let us know. Uh. Flame On Show is our website. We're on Facebook, Flame On. Uh, yeah, I think Flame On Show. And Twitter, Flame On Podcast. Um, and we actually have had some great activity recently. We've had um, our Dragons New Spandex uh, episodes, our interviews with Ginger Minge. Yay. We're very proud of being in the top three, mm. uh, which I'm glad you've seen it now, I guess. Or, yeah. You know. uh, and, of course, Trixie Mattel, who is still one of our favorites of all time. And uh, she's just fabulous. Um, the other thing, we had, uh, att- we had a friend of ours attend... DragCon out in LA. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jess Ketting is a drag queen friend of mine from way back. 
Um, and as a boy, he was able to go out to the show. He's a flight attendant, so, you know, flights are no object. But um, he posted a crap ton of great pictures, and we may even have him on in a future episode just to kind of discuss his experience and got to meet all the, got to meet RuPaul. You know, I mean, just a great experience. Uh, DragCon looked like it was a lot of fun. I'm very jealous. But we got to live vicariously through his mm-hmm. uh, adventures out there. Um, we also had some interesting people surface on our Facebook. Oh, yeah, that's right. We want to give a shout-out to uh, some of one of our favorite cosplayers, uh, Shinra Junkie. Yeah, so we saw that he liked our, our Facebook page. So, uh, what? Give me an example of like what? What's he known he's for? He's most known for his Waka costume. Okay, he mm-hmm. is. Yeah, he's he's a he's a you know, hunky yeah. uh, hunky Asian guy. So. And is he? Which have, which shows like will we go? Will we see him? Maybe. Uh, I don't know where he's based out of. Okay, uh, I didn't know if he was. I assumed he wasn't local, but he's, like, like he's not like southeast. Okay. Yeah. Well, certainly, if you do go to any shows in the near future, please uh, look for uh, any gay content. We will hopefully try to let you know uh, when we are going to be at a show. Uh, I can tell you right now that several of the show will be at New York Comic Con. Oh, for fuck's sake. And the others... You mean everybody but me? The others will be there in spirit. I won't be there either. Okay. Let's have a nice dinner. It's not until October. Things can happen. You never know. Um, I got bills to pay now. <laughs> Thousands of dollars <laughs> were spent this past week. It's a nice car ride. No, uh, well, the other thing that's very exciting for us here is we will be, well, I guess for some of us, we'll be doing a live show at the Rock Bar as part of Super Week with the comic book bears. And it's going to be. Are you done be... salting the wound? <laughs> I'm just trying to get people excited because this is a really cool thing. And yes, it's very New York Comic Con really... was a lot of fun last year. I, I heard. Pleased to be a part of the Super Week stuff last year. And I am thrilled that Flame On will be there in some form. And if we can get all of our little Flame people to contribute in this, that, and the other way, then we will, even if okay. they're not able to attend. So okay. I'm very excited, and I hope you guys, if you're in New York for Comic-Con, please come out. If you're in the, the New York area and like to visit Flame On. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, and then next week, or our next episode, we'll be back with another full cast recording, and we'll have more than just one movie to discuss. Ooh, side note, um, yep. I was on a podcast called For Geek's Sake. So if you want to hear me talk about like gay things with straight people um, on a geeky podcast, we should you should totally listen. It's called Cro- For Geek's Sake. Ooh, cross promotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I should also mention that the Nerdy Show is about to crank out a bunch of new stuff. And one of the things they're doing is a like a video show. So I guess I'm going to be recording that. And on the Doctor Who microsode, they're going to be doing very soon so uh look for if you a lot of you are nerdy show listeners well, look for that and uh i guess that's it so thanks for listening flame off thanks for listening to flame on a podcast made possible by powder milk biscuits the ones in the blue box a comic shop and the generous support of tops and bottoms like you If you want to be one of our sugar daddies, you can help out by telling a cute single friend about us, reviewing us on iTunes, or putting some dollars down our digital G-string in our monthly support drive. For more ridiculously entertaining and socially enlightening episodes of Flame On, as well as other fine programs, head on over to Nerdy Show. 
you can subscribe to Flame On and all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via iTunes. And be sure to find us on Twitter at Flame On Podcast or Facebook on our Flame On fan page. And make sure to check out flameonshow.com for more nerdy queer in your ear. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.